Pray with me, please. Lord, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Amen. If I were to ask you today, who wrote more of the New Testament than any other single individual, how would you answer? My guess is you would answer Paul or perhaps John. You would be wrong. The person who wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else was actually Luke. You see, Luke wrote the longest gospel, the gospel which bears his name, and Luke also wrote the longest history of the early Christian church, the book of Acts. Taken together, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts comprise one-fourth of the entire New Testament, more than any other single writer contributed to that particular part of our Bible. Now, ironically enough, while Luke told us much about Christ and told us much about the church, he told us absolutely nothing about himself. If you scour the pages of the New Testament, you will discover that only Paul makes reference to Luke or any information about him. And even at that, Paul refers to Luke just three times using a total of ten words. Just ten words. And yet, amazingly enough, those ten words give us a wonderful portrait of a most remarkable man. And not only that, but those ten words paint a clear picture of how you and I ought to be living our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. To show you what I mean, I'd like for you to look with me now at those ten words. Words one and two. Beloved physician. You may remember that Paul frequently at the end of his letters liked to refer to specific individuals. If you go to the end of his Colossian letter, you will find that he has written these words. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Note, please, those two words Paul uses to refer to Luke. Beloved physician. Take them one at a time. Physician. Quite clearly, Luke was a doctor. Not only that, but Luke was a doctor engaged in a great missionary enterprise. Now, what does that tell you about Luke? I think it tells you a lot. Understand, please, then as now, 
medical practice was a terribly demanding career. Then, as now, doctors required specialized training and skills. Then, as now, doctors were always at the beck and call of the sick, the needy, and the dying. Then, as now, uh, doctors could not calculate or, for that matter, even begin to control their daily schedule because of the demands upon them. And therefore, Dr. Luke would have been perfectly justified in saying, listen, I'm way too busy taking care of the needs of those who need me, way too busy to take on some big missionary task for the Lord. Luke never said that. Luke never once drew a distinction between what he did for a living and what he did for the Lord. Luke never separated his sacred faith from his secular work. That was the glory and the genius of Dr. Luke. How can I ever forget visiting the Presbyterian Hospital in Gwangju, Korea. There I was taken into the operating room to participate in what is normal surgical procedure in that hospital. On the operating table that day there was a woman about to undergo very serious surgery for cancer. However, before the anesthetic was administered, everyone in that operating room, the surgeons, the anesthesiologist, the nurses, the aides, the patient, and I, all joined hands and all of us prayed. Only then did the operation begin. That is normal surgical procedure in the Presbyterian Hospital of Gwangju, Korea. And I want to tell you something. Dr. Luke would have understood that and appreciated it. He never drew a distinction between what he did for a living and what he did for the Lord. There is a lesson to be learned there for us in our own living. We ought never but never separate our sacred faith from our secular work. Luke was a physician, yes but a physician in the Lord's service. The second word, beloved. That's what Paul calls Luke, the beloved physician. Dear friends, I want you to understand something. You do not become a beloved physician simply by utilizing pills and needles and scalpels. Beloved refers not to pills, but to people. Not to technique, but to relationships. 
Paul called Luke the beloved physician, quite clearly. Luke must have been engaged in treating people both for good and for Christ. Quite clearly, he was engaged not only in meeting people's physical needs, but meeting their spiritual needs as well. He was a doctor, yes, but he was something more than just a doctor. He was a beloved physician. I looked up that word beloved in the Bible. It occurs a number of times, but every time except one, it appears in reference to a relationship. Beloved brother, beloved sister, beloved friend. Only once is the word beloved used to modify a job. But here it is, where Paul says of Luke, he is the beloved physician. That's a lesson we can learn for our own living. You see, dear friends, you don't have to be just an accountant, just a homemaker, just a salesperson, just a teacher, just a lawyer, just a business executive. You can be something more. You can be beloved. And the way you become beloved is to determine that you will use your work, your call, your vocation to influence other people for good and for Christ, to shape other people's lives, to encourage other people to become everything God wants them to be. Once again, that was the glory and the genius of the great Dr. Luke. He was, as Paul called him, the beloved physician. Words three, four, five. My fellow worker. The shortest book in the New Testament is Paul's letter to Philemon. It's just one chapter long. And right near the end of that little letter, Paul again refers to Luke and calls him my fellow worker. It is very important for us to understand that word worker quite literally. You see, Paul and those around him were not missionaries who were being supported by a church or a denomination. No. It was necessary for all of them to ply their particular trade during the day in order to make ends meet and in order to support the mission work they also were engaged in. And so therefore, Luke was not simply an honorary member of Paul's missionary team. No. Luke was a worker. He was a practicing doctor 
with a hard job to do. I think it's equally important for us to note that this is the only place these three little words constitute the only praise Luke ever received, so far as we know, for the extraordinary effort he expended on behalf of the Lord. This is it. Paul called him my fellow worker. All of the attention, the applause, the acclaim, all of that went to Peter and Paul, not Luke. The only thing Luke receives is this little three-word affirmation. My fellow worker. If any of you have ever traveled to the country of Denmark, you have undoubtedly encountered some of the masterpieces created by the great sculptor Bertel Turvalsen. His magnificent works of art are displayed in a number of places throughout his native Denmark. It's important to note, however, that Turvalsen basically did all of his artistic work not in Denmark, but in Italy. Because in Italy, he could acquire the great huge blocks of marble he required for his work. On one occasion, after he had completed a particularly mammoth and magnificent statue, that great work of art was packed and crated in order to be shipped back to his beloved Denmark. In the process of packing that enormous statue, a kind of thick grassy straw, very abundant in Rome, that thick grassy straw was used as the packing material to cushion this huge statue as it made the journey from Italy to Denmark. When the statue arrived in Denmark, it was unpacked. And the workers took that straw, the packing material, there was a lot of it. They took that straw and they used it for mulch wherever it happened to be needed. What they did not know was that that thick grassy straw contained tiny seeds which had been carried on the winds of Rome and had become lodged in that straw. As a result, the next spring, wherever that straw had been spread along the streets of Copenhagen, suddenly, surprisingly, oh so beautifully, the magnificent flowers of Rome began to bloom in Copenhagen. I want to suggest to you that that was also true of the life of the great Dr. Luke. You see, as he moved very quietly, 
without applause or acclaim, as he moved up and down and across the Mediterranean world, later on, suddenly, surprisingly, but also beautifully, the magnificent flowers of the gospel of Jesus Christ began to bloom wherever Luke had been. Feed that, please, into the supercomputer you call your brain. You and I are called to be servants of Christ. We are called to be fellow workers with Jesus. We are called very quietly, very lovingly, very faithfully to speak and to live the gospel in every way, in every day, regardless of any praise or gratitude or reward which might come our way. Dr. Luke was such a person. That's why Paul called him my fellow worker. Words 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. Those words appear in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. At this point in time, Paul was in prison in Rome. He was under the sentence of death. It was a very, very difficult time. All around him, Christians were being mauled to death by wild animals in the arena, or they were being tied to stakes and set on fire in order to illumine Roman garden parties, for heaven's sake. It was a terribly difficult time for Christians, yes, but particularly for Paul, because Paul knew that at any moment, at any day, his life would end because of his faith. And it was in the midst of that circumstance that Paul wrote this plaintive note to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. And then those five words, only Luke is with me. I think those may be the most touching and beautiful words of them all. Only Luke stayed true and loyal to the end. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke. You know, dear friends, it's actually rather easy, isn't it, to be a Christian when times are good, and when the tides of the faith are running at the flood, it's easy. And I'm going to say to you, and I don't make any apology for saying it, I want Christianity to be the dominant faith in the world. I want churches to be filled to overflowing. I want more and more people to be one to faith in Jesus Christ. I want Christian belief to be embraced by society. Yes, but I know something is true. It is easy, maybe it is even too easy to be a Christian in circumstances like that. Paul understood. 
You see, when you read in the book of Acts, it tells us there that when Paul was in Ephesus, why the people crowded the amphitheater there to hear him preach. The gospel message fell on eager ears. Christianity was booming in popularity. And at that point in time, Paul was surrounded by a host of friends. Ah, but then later on, when Paul was in jail, when hope seemed dim, when the end seemed near, all of those friends disappeared. When the going got tough, the others got going. So that Paul would write, only Luke is with me. I don't need to tell you, do I? That it is getting tougher and tougher to be a Christian in this world. It's even getting tougher to be a Christian in this country. Mark it down. Carrying the name of Jesus Christ today carries a rising cost. If you doubt that, then I ask you to get a book written by my friend Franklin Graham. The book is entitled The Name. In that book, he states the case overwhelmingly. There is one paragraph in that book which has proved particularly potent for me. Listen to Franklin Graham's words. Jesus is gentle, but he is not weak. He loves the sinner, but is absolutely intolerant of sin. He is not a negotiator. He is Lord. It is this bristling truth which invites intolerance toward Christians. Jesus did not say, do your own thing, all roads lead to God. That would have made Jesus politically correct. Jesus is not politically correct. Jesus is Lord. Franklin Graham is right. He is Lord. He is the true Lord. He is the only Lord. He is the Lord of all other lords. He is Lord. And what Jesus the Lord wants to know is not if you and I are going to stay true to him when everything is easy and we can worship God as we please. No. What Jesus the Lord wants to know is this. Are we going to stay true to Him and to Him alone even when we feel that we are alone or at the very least we are in a minority? Are we going to stay true to Him when the going gets tough? Are we going to stay true strong, loyal, and faithful to Jesus Christ, no matter what it may cost us in life. That's what Jesus the Lord wants to know. Luke made his position quite clear. Paul said, only Luke is with me. I think that's what made Luke so great.
I think that's why he could write two books of the Bible. I think that's why he could be a spiritual giant. Because when he didn't have to stick, nothing could pull him away. Because when his commitment cost him something, he willingly paid the price. I suppose that's why Paul's words cut so cleanly to my heart and speak so clearly to our living. Only Luke. Only Luke is with me. Ten words. Beloved physician, my fellow worker, only Luke is with me. Just ten words. Those ten words tell us all we know about Luke. Ah, but those ten words tell us all we need to know about Luke. Now, if only, if only by the power and grace of Jesus Christ, if only you and I could start to live like Luke. If only. Pray with me, please. God on high, hear my prayer. Enable us no matter what, no matter what, enable us to stay true to Jesus Christ. Amen.